Welcome to the Innovate for Impact podcast. This podcast is for leaders in the social sector like you who want to make a difference. Each episode is packed with practical ideas on how you can be more innovative and create an even bigger social impact. We share our ideas on what you can do and also speak to leaders from the sector to share best practice. So let's get into it and let's talk impact. Welcome back to the Innovate for Impact podcast. As usual, we've got Tracy Newman and Dan Bentley, and we're pretty excited to be talking to you today all about systems thinking. So, Dan, how are you doing? I'm pretty good, thanks. Yeah, I'm excited about this topic. It's a, um, it's one that it's not a, it's not a new topic or anything like that. I'm sure a lot of our people who listen to this podcast are aware of it, but we hadn't really sort of touched on it in in our episodes. So we thought we'd spend a bit of time today going through that with you all. And talking a bit about as well, why is this particular methodology, or I guess a way of looking at things, like so critical to this sector? I think that's what we really want to unpack. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting as well because so often when you talk about systems thinking, it's like, well, okay, so uh, how do you think? Um, so we've got a, a bit of a practical sort of uh, lens to put over it as well so that people can kind of, you know, it's it's one thing to be told to be thinking in a certain way, but we're, we're going to add some value in terms of, well, how do you move from, you know, how do you really bring system thinking to life into your, into your everyday? Because you know, we always like to add that element of practicality. Yeah. So let's kick off. System thinking, like you said, it's it's not new. It's something that that probably most people are, are aware of, but I find it's often helpful to start off with what exactly do we mean when we're talking about system thinking and and what even is system thinking for, for those of us who are listening just to sort of start us at that level playing field. So really system thinking is about thinking about how something works as a part of a larger you know, a larger being or a larger system. So that rather than thinking about a problem or a person just at a singular level, it's actually about thinking about how that interacts in its environment and what that looks like when you put all of those pieces together. So that's what we mean when we think about, when we talk about system thinking, what we're really talking about is thinking about something and how it relates to its environment and how it performs as part of something else rather than thinking about it at that purely individualistic level. And one of the great examples that we like to share when we're sort of bringing that to life is if you think about a problem and look at, you know, its solution as part of the the environment that it's part of. Um, the example we like to talk about is the cane toad. So for those of you who aren't aware, uh, some time ago there was a, a cane beetle and it was eating the sugar cane. And so at that point it was discovered that the cane toad ate the cane beetle. So the cane toad was introduced into Australia to eat the cane beetle. And so if you looked at that, at an individual level, the cane toad ate the sugarcane beetle, the beetle was no longer a problem for the sugarcane, so therefore that problem's been solved. At an individual level, you would say that that's a success. However, if you were to look at the introduction of the cane toad at a systemic level and have a look at the impact that that's had on the entire environment, you wouldn't say that that was a successful solution to that problem. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about looking at solutions at a systems level versus an individual level. 
And spoiler alert for our listeners that aren't in Australia and don't know about cane toads, they are a big problem. <laughs> They've uh, done a lot of damage and they are absolutely everywhere. And they were only in the north for a while and now they're finding them almost as far down as like New South Wales and um, and Victoria, I think now. Like they're just absolutely taking over the country. So it's a great example. It's uh, one that we, lo- we love to talk about a lot because it really does bring it to life. But I think that's why system thinking is so important is because if you aren't thinking about things like this, you can get real unintended consequences. And that's what you're trying to avoid with systems thinking. What's one of the benefits of systems thinking? Yeah. I mean, let's. that's probably a good segue, Dan. What are some of the benefits of systems thinking apart from, you know, the unintended consequences? And not introducing a cane toad. When we use it a lot in our work is it's, it's quite often – the problems that we've got in front of us to solve in this space, they're not usually like a linear problem. You know, we've, we did some work many years ago now in some some corporations who were just looking to sell a certain thing. And a lot of the innovation you do in that space, it's very linear. It's like there's a market, you've got a product, how do you sort of like, you know, move this through and get, you know, create that market, buy it, except people get people to buy it, et cetera, et cetera. In the space that we work in here, problems they don't really look like that they're quite often like got lots of causes and they are maybe even not even solvable but you can make them better or worse and there's so many people involved in creating the problem but there's also so many people trying to solve the problem so you can't look at it in most cases you can't look at it linear you have to look at it as that system because it is usually part of it a system there's also the whole idea of like collective impact and those sorts of things. And this is where like systems thinking comes in a lot too, where it's like one service provider, one government department, one business probably can't solve some of these really complex problems on their own because it's just that, like I mentioned before, they are so complex and they are so uh, intricate and all these sorts of um, different bits and pieces that they actually need a lot of different organizations to work together and collaborate. Understanding the system that you're trying to change, not just addressing a symptom or a, something smaller, means that you've got much more of a chance of truly either A, solving the problem, or if you can't solve the problem, actually having a solution that's going to create better outcomes and not unintended consequences. That, that's the, they're the main benefits of the systems thinking. The other approach that can work well when, you, when you're thinking about system thinking is you can often find points in the system that when you do some work at that particular point, it can actually leverage the benefits right throughout that system. So, you know, potentially, and that's where that sort of collaboration and working together can be very helpful because you could find an intervention point that is... I guess, a, a, cro- a cross-section of lots of different items all co- coming together and when you take action at that point, it can amplify the results. So that's the other benefit, I think, from working at that systemic level. Sometimes you can actually get more of an outcome because you're leveraging in a, in a, in a space where there's a good opportunity for change. So in terms of like a, a, an example that's really relevant to our listeners, I think, you know, we had a really great episode a while back with David Pearson from the Australian Alliance to End Homelessness. And I think their approach is a really good example of systems thinking. Go back and listen to that episode if it's if it's one that you haven't uh, listened to and you're listening along today. I think I'd, I'd highly recommend it. It's, it's really good. And he, he shares a lot of uh, insight into how they're doing this. But 
they sort of realized homelessness couldn't be solved in Australia by one organization. And so they created this organization as a bit of a you know, way of getting a bunch of people working together across all the different sectors and having common ways of measuring, common goals and common ways of working and all of them working together um, across council, business, not-for-profit, you know, white state government, all these different areas to try and improve the outcomes. So that's what that's what it can look like. You know, you might be a part, you're everyone's a part of a system that's listening to this podcast. Like systems is just how everything is a part of a system, essentially, is what you know is is the is the crux of it. But systems thinking is just about acknowledging that, really. And yeah, if if homelessness is the thing you're looking to solve, your one organization probably can't solve that on its own. It's a you know, it's a wicked problem, it's a complex tricky problem there's lots and lots of factors and lots and lots of causes and lots and lots of people involved in it so collaboration is the answer and systems thinking is what will help you understand who needs to be involved in solving that and what are all the different pieces of it as well not just what your service provider might be funded to address yeah and i think that's that's the other piece is when you think about something from a systemic level then you can sometimes actually get to a root cause of a problem and, and work on that versus just managing the systems, uh, sorry, managing the symptoms. And and that is sometimes the risk of when you're just looking at something from an, in, an individual perspective. And uh, I think homelessness is a great example of that. You know, you have people who with great intent want to, you know, convert car parks into, you know, sleeping arrangements so that, that people aren't, you know, sleeping out in the cold. And that in and of itself is a is a great idea and it's a very very noble to you know make sure that people are, are kept warm but if you're investing resources in that versus actually stopping people from being homeless in the first place then you know you you, you run the risk of diverting resources away from something that could have a bigger impact and that's where that sort of thinking about something at a, at a systems level can be really beneficial because having all of the different providers that all provide services together, all looking at, well, what is it that people who are homeless really need to avoid them becoming homeless and how can we actually work on that versus, you know, helping people to live a slightly more successful life whilst they're homeless? Well, well, it's probably a bit of both, right? Because there's some of these are longer-term problems, so some of those are interventions that can help. But, you know, solving the problem is is what you want to do, but in the short term, you also don't want people then having to deal with the consequences as well. So it's, it's maybe a bit of both in lots of cases. There's many examples of where international aid has has played a role in in disrupting a system. You know, well, well-doing organizations have thought, hey, let's give away free shoes in this area or let's give everybody free food. And it's actually, they haven't thought about like how might that interrupt the local system and the local economy and those sorts of things and what that's actually done is by pushing that in has actually made a lot of people way worse off because there was a whole heap of people who were selling shoes or selling these fruits and vegetables and what it's actually done is it's disrupted the entire local economy and put a lot of other people in it's created other unintended consequences so that's you know there's there's many of those stories around i'm not going to talk about any of them in particular but you know i'm sure if you work in this space you've heard some of those stories and that's a good example as well of where it can practically kind of go wrong if you don't take a systemic approach Are you looking for innovative ways for your organisation to deliver more impact? 
Take our online assessment and receive a customised report in your inbox that highlights exactly what to do next. It takes only five minutes to fill out and it's completely free. Visit impactoconsulting.com.au slash self-assessment. And I think it's one thing to sort of say, look, think at a systemic level and take a systemic approach, but how do you actually like bring that to life? How do you make that real? And the first place that we always start to get people, like where we always get people to start is by actually creating a system map. So when you sit down and you think about, well, what does, what is this system look like? And who are all the different players and what are the roles that they play in this system? And you start to actually draw that out and put that together. It gives you a starting place and it can, work as a really good conduit for conversation. So, you know, that's your opportunity to get all of the different stakeholders and the different, you know, providers or suppliers all together and actually say, okay, so what are the different things that we need to consider? And and simply by drawing out that map and mapping out, well, what are all those connections? You can start to, because it's not reasonable to expect that people are going to know everything that exists, (laughs) but it gives you that really great starting point to start collecting that information and have those really rich conversations with the other people who are part of that system and build up that sort of collective knowledge so that everybody can kind of understand how all those different pieces work together and where those potential intervention points might be. Yeah, and for those that have never seen one of these before, it's essentially picture uh, like a piece of paper or a digital document and it's like a whole heap of nodes, so like circles, and usually what you'll do is you'll put like a you know, whatever it is, whatever part of the system you're wanting to represent in there and you just sort of plot all these out and so you might have service providers, you might have different types of users and people and then you might have uh, what all sorts of things on that map and then what you normally do is you then go around and like Tracy sort of referred to before is you'd go and connect them which ones are connected with each other through drawing a line between those different nodes. And so what you then have is you have all the different parts of the system and you also have which of those are actually connected and are working together and which of them aren't. And you can really usually, you know, it's a really nice way of pulling together something that is very, very complicated into something that a lot of people can digest and go, oh, wow, that's the whole space that we work in (laughs) and that's how it all sort of interacts and or doesn't interact and you know when it comes to looking at partnership operations like funding looking for funding opportunities and collaborations and ways of doing things better and gaps in this in the services and the way that we're trying to help the people that we're there to support this one document can just bring so many of those aha moments to you by doing this exercise it's we've done lots of them they are very very useful a couple of quick pro tips in there as well if you use post-it notes and it doesn't necessarily need to be physical post-it notes it can be you know post-it notes in a in a digital format they're great because you can change the color of the notes but also if you do them so that you can move them around and sort of group things together there's just something really powerful in you know when they've looked at system maps and and different ways of getting people to draw them when when people use post-it notes and move them around they tend to create more of those nodes which is the the circles that dan was talking about and they tend to be more flexible around moving them and of course if you're more flexible and you're adding in information you're reorganizing it as you go you end up with a better quality output 
Excellent. So we've learned a little bit more about all about like what a system map is, the benefits of using it, some of the dangers around, you know, the unintended consequences that can be involved when you're sort of looking at something at an individual level. And also given, given some really helpful tips around how to create a system map and how to use it. Is there anything else that you think that comes to mind for you today, Dan? No, I think that's everything. I think that's, you know, we, we didn't want to go into a, a lot of detail about it. We wanted just to give people a bit of a taste because it's like we mentioned at the start, it is something that's been talked about, but sometimes people are sort of not really sure like how that works and what that can look like. So hopefully we've provided that uh, to you all today. And yeah, we'll uh, catch you on one of our next episodes. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Innovate for Impact podcast. Any links to what we spoke about today will be posted in the show notes. If you'd like to know more about social innovation, visit our website where we have a heap of tools to help you on your way. Visit impactoconsulting.com.au Thanks for listening. Now go out there and make an impact.